0: Hands On with Peter Garfinkel, the home improvement show that keeps you in the know on how to maintain, renovate, or even rebuild your home. Get ready to be informed, educated, and inspired. And now, here's your host, licensed realtor, New Jersey State public adjuster, and licensed home improvement contractor, Peter Garfinkel.
1: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hands On. I'm your host, Peter Garfinkel, and we're the Complete Home Show, where no topic is left uncovered. If it relates to you, your home, and the relationship between you and your home, we'll get into it. Our goal here at Hands On is to bring you the very best program we can each and every Saturday morning so you can make well-informed decisions and smart choices about your home and life in your home. And it's great to be here this Saturday, folks. It's been hot lately. It really has. And I got to tell you... um, I'm a contractor, as you know, I work outside from time to time, uh, or I'm either running in and running out of the job, going to get materials or whatever, and I'll tell you this, it's hot, and I make sure when it's hot like this that I stay hydrated, because really, if you don't, (laughs) you could suffer from dehydration, and I never considered this an issue before, let's say uh, two years ago, but then I got dehydrated a couple of years ago without even realizing it. And I started to get dizzy and I almost fainted and I just didn't know what it was. So I was a little panicked, went to the doctor, found out I was dehydrated. So now I drink water during the day, throughout the day and just make sure that I do so. My advice to you folks, dehydration is nothing to uh, laugh at. Uh, so stay hydrated, drink water if you're in and out in this weather. And, and then this week, another point is um, that might be of interest to you. Is I started to renovate a main bathroom in a home, and uh, we pulled, uh, we did the demo work, pulled the tub surround out, and did all of that. And uh, the, the water supply lines were running through an exterior wall, and I just, I don't like doing bathrooms where we run water supply lines through exterior walls because there's the potential for freezing in the winter, and um, if I can avoid doing a bathroom where the pipes do have to run on an outside will, wall, I will. And in this particular case, we resolve the potential for freezing by just turning the tub around and putting the pipes, the uh, water supply lines, on an inside wall. Not always possible, but if it is, it's a good idea to do so. And, and that's my comment there. And, uh, you know, it's just worth uh, taking note of that. And, and being that it's been so hot, you know, there are ways to beat the heat in your home with no AC. It's it's absolutely no fun to be in home with no AC. But if you do live in a home and you have no AC, um, monitor the temperature inside and out uh, of the apartment, outdoors and inside your apartment or home. And when it's cooler outside, open up the windows and ventilate the interior. If it's hotter outside, it might make sense to keep your windows closed Um, if you have skylights in your home or transom windows that are higher, closer to the ceiling, open them up and let the hot air escape. And then I would say, become a fan of fans. Um, Ceiling fans are a good thing. You can put them in bedrooms over beds, typically where there's a light in the center of the room. And note, like I mentioned, uh, when we're talking about being efficient with heat in the winter, that a ceiling fan has a switch on the side, so it can either push air down the paddles on the ceiling fan or it can lift air up closer to the ceiling. In the heat, you want it to draw the heat up from the floor, so you want your position of the switch to be the opposite in the summer that you do in the winter to keep your hot air closer to the ceiling. there are things called box fans that's a fan basically in a metal you know box with a grate on each side they're pretty good you can stick them in windows and and have them draw the hot air out of the home and um an attic fan could be effective an attic fan will pull and suck the hot air out of the house and pump it outside so it doesn't refrigerate air obviously but what it does is uh, it just draws the hot air out and it'll make the home much more comfortable. Shades and blinds and closing drapes are all good things to do when it's hot. Watch your light bulbs and appliances, you know, be careful about baking in your home, and turning your oven on, um, and, and turn off lights. Lights, incandescent bulbs generate heat. Um, and, and if your home is well insulated, The comfortable air should stay in and the hot air should stay out. So insulation is not just important in the winter to keep your house warm, but insulation also serves as a barrier to letting heat in. And then um, that's it for that, and uh, we do have a guest with us today on the line. Our guest is quite an interesting person. We do a What's Cooking Food segment as often as we can, and we speak with a profes- a professional chef or a recipe writer or a cookbook author um, or a person who is in the commercial food business or maybe even a listener who writes me with a compelling story because we have done that before. We have had listeners on And uh, the goal of the What's Cooking segment is really to give you, the listener, info that you can use at home. It could be a recipe. It could be a cooking technique or maybe even an idea to use in a future kitchen renovation. So it is an effective thing. And we have a special guest this week. He's simply amazing. I got to tell you, I met him at the Ramsey Farmers Market a couple weeks ago in Ramsey, New Jersey. His name is Matt Saldano. Matt's quite special. He's a very humble guy but he's quite amazing. And uh, Matt, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, Matt, how are you?
2: Good. How are you?
1: All right. Now, Matt, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about what you do? I know you're driving in a truck loaded with something. What are you doing now?
2: Yeah, I'm uh, actually on my way to the uh, Hastings Farmers Market up in Westchester, New York. Uh, Every Saturday and Sunday, we're all all over uh, northern New Jersey and Southern New York at farmers market.
1: And Matt, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background, a little bit about you, because that's that's quite interesting.
2: Sure, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in 2006. Um, worked a couple odd jobs, doing construction for the family and whatnot. Uh, wasn't really happy with that. Kind of accidentally got a few chickens, and uh, kind of six chickens turned into twelve, and turned into thirty six, and Kept ballooning up from there, so I started to sell some eggs, and then once I started to sell some eggs, people were looking for meat, and then once I started to sell chicken meat, people were looking for turkey, and then once they were selling turkey, people were looking for bacon, and the uh, the whole enterprise kind of uh, kind of exploded like that.
1: Wow. what That's truly amazing. Um and, 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 Matt, you're a veteran. Could you just talk to that a little bit? You were where? You were in Iraq. Is that correct?
2: I was in Iraq from uh, 2004 to 2005.
1: And you did suffer an injury. Is that correct? Uh,
2: traumatic brain injury. After...
1: Right. So, folks, he, this guy, he is so understated. It, it's absolutely out of control. But you're, you're so interesting. And, and, in fact, I think what you do is almost therapeutic. Is that, is that possible?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's uh, been a lot of research to the fact that uh, agriculture definitely has a healing effect on the veterans, and the USDA is now uh, taking note of it and is pushing it along as well.
1: And and you might add that you funded your business in part by uh, a grant through the vets and, and the government. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, there was not really government, but it was a private private nonprofit group, the Farmer Veteran Coalition out of California. Uh, they came along in 2010 when we were just starting out, and they were a fairly new organization at the time as well, and gave us some seed money to help us get going. Wow! kind of, uh, yeah, kind of spurred on everything we're doing.
1: And now look what it turned into. It turned into work.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I created a big job, for sure. uh,
1: That's for sure. But I think your passion is contagious. It's almost infectious, I got to tell you. And you raise chickens, turkeys, hogs, goats. You you create and market a full line of food, But, but... your stuff is unique because it's pasture-raised and it's fed a certain way. Can you speak to that?
2: Yes, sir. We're all pasture-raised, antibiotic, and hormone-free. Uh, we, we use certified non-GMO grains on our poultry and our pork, um, our beef and our lambs. We don't use any grain at all, simply grass. Um, it's not really a new way of farming, kind of an old style, but... It's old fashioned, but coming into style again because people realize that the it, the industrial aspect of farming isn't quite what it was made out to be.
1: Right, and folks, I just want to say we're taking calls here. Our number is one eight seven seven nine seven zero twenty nine ninety nine. We're speaking with Matt Soldano, and Matt, your business is called what?
2: Oh, uh, we're Sackdown Farms LLC.
1: Okay, so your Southtown Farms and your Southtown Farms at AOL.com, just to give out your website so folks will know how to reach you. And, and so, what does uh, uh, prairie raised and uh, pasture raised mean?
2: Um, so, everybody's free range outdoors, eating gra- The chickens are outside eating grass, bugs, and worms, uh, things that chickens are supposed to be doing. We raise, uh, we raise meat chickens. Generally, from, uh, from March to October, when the weather's warm, because we raise them outside 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, there, there's no indoor big buildings they can go in. So we raise as much product, as much meat as we can in the warm weather, and uh, we hold everything over in the wintertime when the grass isn't growing. Uh, same, same deal with our hogs, although we can raise hogs year-round because pigs don't mind the snow. They do pretty well. But uh, everybody's outdoors. We rotationally graze them, moving them through different pastures and different paddocks in the woods around the farm, and um, it's, the, uh, it, it, it's a good life for all the animals, I think, and it, it leads to a good product.
1: Right, and, and and it's all done locally, I should add. And and you're also involved in cooking food too, and, and recipes. Uh, you have you really on your website. You have. Enough recipes to almost form a cookbook. Could you talk about cooking a little bit and, and your involvement in there?
2: <laughs> well, um, I when we first started off the business, I was doing a lot of my own cooking because uh, trying to trying to push my uh, trying to push my chicken and my pork and all that. Uh, now the business has grown quite a bit. I, I, I'm a little busy to be cooking all the time, but my wife is uh, also my partner in this. Uh, she she is in charge of most of the cooking, and uh, I I wouldn't say recipe development as much because we generally just b- borrow recipes off the internet, but we adapt them to our certain you know our certain cuts of meat. Uh, it's when, the way we farm is not cookie cutter. Not everything is the same. Not everything's boneless, skinless, and that's it. Uh, so things change a little bit, and we adapt our recipes to that. But. I'm a big fan of eating, that's
1: for sure. All right. Now, Matt, let me ask you this. we got to take a quick break. Can you hold on and uh, come back to us after and we'll finish up? Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much. You're listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel, and we're speaking with a special guest and former, uh, uh, well, and a vet, Matt Soldano, who has a farm, and it's quite interesting, and we'll be right back.
3: I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much.
4: For your free quote, call 1-800-467-1443. That's 1-800-467-1443. 1-800-467-1443. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors not available in all states.
1: Hello, I'm Tirza, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is Hillsdale President Larry Arne on the basis of the rights our Founders fought for in the Revolution and secured in the Constitution. The American Republic's meaning and proper method of operation is to be found in two documents in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. That's about 5,000 words of text. That's not very much. They're simple. They're beautiful. They can be understood and be retained. A human being is a certain kind of thing and requires to be treated in a certain way human being is a thing that has rights, and those rights are inalienable, according to the Declaration. You've got to respect them. And it also follows that given the kind of thing a human being is, government needs to be organized in certain ways. And we think, I think, that that is the argument of the American Revolution. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To receive a free pocket constitution and declaration, go to constitutionminute.com. Well, folks, you're back, and I'm back, and this is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. We take calls. Our number is one 2999 And we're on the phone with our special guest, Matt Saldano from Southtown Farms, and he's talking about how he uh, raises uh, animals for food, which are treated well and fed well and so forth, and, and it's an all-natural approach, yielding better-tasting food. So, Matt, um, just to finish up, because we're almost out of time, um, with regards to recipes, I noticed that you had a mashed potato recipe using a ricer. Can you tell the folks what a ricer is? Because I didn't know. I read this thing. I said, use a ricer to make mashed potatoes. I think that's something that the listeners could get a kick out of.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty neat. Um I've only used it once. My wife uses it pretty regularly. Uh it's basically a big garlic press. Uh-huh. So it uh it, it press presses the mashed potatoes finely so you don't get that that rough, grainy texture to them.
1: Wow. That's a pretty cool thing because I'm going to go out and buy one and I wouldn't have bought it unless I I met you, so. <laughs>
2: hey.
1: good, good. And, and any other tricks of the trade that you could share with the audience either in terms of selecting food, picking food, preparing food, or anything to do with what you do that you would want to share with them that we haven't discussed,
2: yeah, absolutely., uh, one, hit up your farmers' markets uh, wherever you are in America, I think the USDA said there's over four thousand farmers' markets this year uh, across the country, so they're they're everywhere, and ask your farmer about what he's doing, you know ask him about his growing practices, where the food comes from. Le- learn a little bit more about it. If the farmer's there, he's willing to talk, so uh Come with an open mind and don't think you know everything and just ask questions.
1: All right. Well, thanks for being with us, Matt. I really appreciate it, and I hope you'll come back. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thanks, folks. We've just been speaking with Matt Soldano of Southtown Farms and at com for contact information. Thanks again, Matt. Anyways, I guess he's gone. But uh, moving right along here, everyone... We're going to go on to our next subject that I want to talk about. I hope you found that interesting. And, and I'm going to segue into something completely different. I want to talk about public adjusting for a minute because I'm a public adjuster, and it's quite a misunderstood field, or it's just not understood at all. Um, I hold a public adjuster's license. I'm licensed by the state of New Jersey, just so you know. And uh, let me start by asking you out there, because uh, we are taking calls. Our number is one 970 2999 and you can write me at handson at nycradio.com. That's handson at nycradio.com. And there are podcasts, and the show is streamed through the AM970 website, so please visit the website. Check us out there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And you can also take a look at my website, spelled out as one word, thehandsonshow.com. Um, it is being updated now as we speak. Finally, I got to it. Um, and you can download the new AM970 app right on your smartphone so you could take this wonderful show and have me with you wherever you are. Um, but but I have a question for you. How many of you ever read your uh, homeowner's policies? Well, that's a show of hands I just saw. Most of you probably have not read your homeowner's policy. Um But for those of you who listen, you know that I'm a a New Jersey state licensed public adjuster, and I just mentioned it so you know. And and I'm sure that many of you don't know what a public adjuster is. But before I actually get to that, let me just talk a little bit about uh, your homeowners and policy and what the adjuster for your homeowners insurance company is. So an adjuster that, that you would call if you had a loss is an individual that works for your insurance company. Let's say you have a pipe that breaks or you have a tree that falls on your home. You will typically, you call your insurance company, you report this loss to the insurance company and they assign your case an adjuster. Um, The value of the loss is determined by your homeowner's policy and the limits in there and they will send out the adjuster to examine the loss and then assign a value to the loss. I mean, and, and... when the adjuster comes out, you want to make sure that the adjuster looks at the home, but the adjuster will then go back to his office and um, evaluate what they did, and they will write up a report and and really determine the scope of the loss and figure out what you should get in the form of a check uh, to cover that loss. But what if a tree fell on your house and your damage was $90,000, and The insurance company came back to you and said, listen, we're going to pay you $38,000. What do you do then? Or what if you had a pipe break in your basement and you reported the loss to your insurance company and you told them that you had a flood? And then they responded saying that, listen, uh, Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. homeowner, you are not covered for floods. You don't have flood insurance, so we're not going to pay the claim, and the claim is denied. Um, and in that particular case, they they said that you didn't have a flood. But you, as the person calling up and reported the claim, said you had a flood. But as a person reporting the claim, you used the wrong word. Don't say flood if you're calling your insurance company to report water in your basement from a broken pipe. It's very important to use th- terms or words like we had a sudden and accidental discharge of water. You don't normally speak that way, but you could say we had a broken pipe and water poured out. So beware, folks. Read your homeowner's policies. Know know what you're covered for. Know what you're not covered for. The other thing is uh, know your limits. Know how much you're covered for um, with regards to what your policy covers. If your policy makes a provision for lost or covered uh, possessions and you have a lot of jewelry, make sure that that jewelry is on a separate part of the policy (laughs) and and covered um, uh, on an itemized basis so that each thing or each item of jewelry on there or each expensive piece of art or whatever it may be, has a specific estimate and an insured value that's attached to that particular piece. Also, your dwelling, your home, it's called a dwelling for insurance purposes. Um, If you have a a detached garage, make sure that your detached garage is adequately covered in case it should have a fire and burn down. Sometimes people keep lawnmowers or antique cars in garages along with gasoline and things happen, fires start Things burn. Make sure that you have enough coverage on other structures. It could be a barn too. You know, it, it doesn't just have to be a garage. So really, read your policy. Make sure you review your limits annually and raise them. You know, if they need to be. Um, particularly if your mortgage is paid off, because once your mortgage mortgage is paid off, the bank is not involved in terms of requiring you to carry either flood insurance. Or, uh, or homeowner's insurance, and, and being that you will, most likely, and I hope you will, um, you check your values and just make sure you're covered for enough. Also, make sure that uh, you don't cancel your flood insurance once your mortgage is paid, because I, I met people, I have met people that have paid off their mortgages, and they kind of recall that they hadn't had a flood or water in their basement Um, for 20 or 30 years. And the day they they cancel that that flood policy is the day they have a problem. So, you know, what you want to do is really protect yourself in case you are uh, in a position where you're going to have a catastrophic loss or you do have a catastrophic loss. And so then what does a public adjuster do compared to the adjuster of the insurance company? Um, Well, a public adjuster is an adjuster that works for you, the insured, The goal of the public adjuster is to put you, the insured, back into a pre-loss condition. In other words, you want to be restored to as you were before this event um, occurred, okay? And uh, it's not always so cut and dry. It's not so easy. Sometimes home insurance, uh, homeowner's insurance policies have uh, depreciation clauses or, or certain exclusions that you're not aware of because you didn't read your policy. So like, again, like I said before, again, uh, read your policy. And I have to tell you, as a public adjuster, most insurance companies really don't love us because we make them pay what they're supposed to pay to put people back to a pre-loss condition in essence, and to make them whole. And today, I'm not saying all insurance companies, but some run their claims departments as a profit center. And if they can pay less, they will. And folks, we are taking calls. Our number is one 970 2999 And uh, if you feel like calling in and asking a question about public adjusting or how you could be whole if you had a problem where the insurance company didn't pay you enough, please feel free. And uh, basically, the, company, the insurance company views me as a public adjuster as kind of like, I hate to say this live over the air, but kind of like a talking hemorrhoid. I didn't say it. And um, the insurance companies even lobby against public adjusters because they're not anxious to pay. They, they, they. There has been a book written, and I don't have the author's name in front of me, but it is called Delay, Deny, and Defend, and it details how insurance companies look not to pay. And, folks, uh, we're going to take a break here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel.
0: News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer.
4: 99 degrees on the way to about 95 this afternoon. It's going to be a triple H day. The cooling centers in New York City will be open. Good morning. What's going on? We have the answer. The CDC is now reporting the first case of the Zika virus being sexually transmitted from a woman to a man is in New York City. Deputy Health Commissioner Jay Varma says the CDC has ruled out mosquito transmission in the case. Dr. Varma adds that just three of the more than 300 Zika cases in the city involve sexual transmission. The other two involved a man passing the virus on to his sexual partners. The CDC recommends that pregnant women with sex partners who have traveled or live in Zika hotspots abstain from sex during pregnancy or use protection. That advice now includes barriers and dental dams in addition to condoms. And tomorrow marks the second anniversary of Eric Garner's death. The New York man died in a police chokehold while being arrested for selling loose cigarettes on Staten Island. The Reverend Al Sharpton planning a march for justice today in Brooklyn and tomorrow, Mayor de Blasio will be speaking at the First Central Baptist Church on Staten Island at a service honoring Garner. 28 pages of the congressional investigation of the 9-11 terror attacks are being declassified and released to the public. The pages speculate about the alleged links between the Saudi government and the 9-11 hijackers. White House spokesman Josh Earnest noted that the independent 9-11 commission followed up on the congressional probe. The conclusion of the 9-11 commission was, as they wrote, they found, quote, no evidence that the Saudi government as an institution or senior Saudi officials individually uh, funded al Qaeda. 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi nationals, Saudi Arabian leaders have long insisted that their government played no role in the attack. Saudi Arabia is a long time U.S. ally in sports. The Mets won, the Yankees lost. I'm Chris Marara, AM 970, The Answer
3: there's something new at Wilner Chemists. You already know that Wilner Chemists is the place to go for nutritional supplements, professional advice, a huge selection, discount prices on vitamins and homeopathic products. So what's new there? Well, Wilner's has expanded its health and beauty section, bringing you natural skin care, anti-aging products, and essential oils, all with a professional staff to assist you with any questions you may have. Come in and visit the new expanded Wilner Chemists health and beauty section. And for the next few weeks only if you go in and mention am 970 you'll get a free sample stay young look young the healthy way externally and internally at wilner chemists at 100 park avenue at 41st and park right next to grand central terminal in manhattan stop in or give them a call 800-633-1106 800-633-1106 wilner chemists the nutritional supplement professionals
0: since 1911 The following fraud alert is being issued in your area as a warning for homeowners, especially owners with equity in their homes or own vacation and rental properties. Mortgage fraud, known as house stealing, is the fastest growing white-collar crime in America, according to the FBI. You may think you're protected, but your current Identity Theft Protection Service does not monitor your home. Homeowners in this area are strongly advised to visit the National Fraud Alert Service, HomeTitleLock.com, to sign up for a risk-free trial. HomeTitleLock.com is is the only monitoring service of its kind and is now available to homeowners with a 60-day risk-free trial. Find out if you're already a victim, get alerts on any activity, and take control of your most valuable asset, your home. Go to HomeTitleLock.com to start your risk-free trial backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. It's your home protected. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com.
1: Well, folks, we're back. This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel, and we're taking calls here on this Saturday morning. Our number is 1-877-970-2999, and you can uh, write me at handson at nycradio.com. I would really like to hear about anything that you're working on at home, doing in your home, or how you're making use of your kitchen, or how you might have gotten an idea from our What's Cooking Food segment to make a little bit of a modification in your kitchen. And uh, we have this really cool app, this AM nine seventy app, that you could download on your smartphone, so we could be with you everywhere. I think that's really pretty neat. And the show is streamed, and podcasts are available, so that you can rehear any part of the show you might want to, um, or um, or catch up on something if you missed uh, missed us. And uh, you can go to am970.com for that. And uh, we're talking about homeowners insurance uh, right now and policies and public adjusting. Now, uh, what I think is important is to remember that the adjuster that visits you from the insurance company works for the insurance company. They're out to protect the insurance company. Yes, they are out to cut you a check, hopefully, and they are supposedly interested in you. But, but their real goal is uh, to do the best they can for the company that they work for to minimize what they have to pay out, which could result in you receiving a check that falls short of what you need in terms of total dollars to be put back to a pre-loss condition should you have suffered a loss. And, and really what's important here is to know that there is a way out. And the way out is to call a public adjuster. A public adjuster works for you, the insured. They're licensed by the state that they uh, are working in. I am licensed by the state of New Jersey, and I work in New Jersey. I don't process anything in New York because I'm not licensed by New York. And what I do is represent the insured, and uh, I try to make sure— not try, I actually do make sure that they collect enough money from the insurance company to be put back to a pre-loss condition. And uh, what this means is that the insurance companies don't like public adjusters because we make them pay. Uh, just a little example might be, let's say a uh, you had a problem in your kitchen and you had broken tiles on the floor. As a public adjuster, I would go in and I would look to write up a claim in such a way that you get compensated for replacing your entire kitchen floor. Why? Because over time, the tile wears, the colors change a little bit in, in certain traffic areas and what have you. And you want to be put back to a pre-loss condition where your floor is restored. And And maybe the dye lot of a repair or a tile replacement won't match the tile you have, or maybe you can't find the tile that you have. So I make sure that we replace the entire floor. Same thing goes with water damage in a room. where you you might have had a wooden floor. I might replace an entire hardwood floor in a dining room, whereas the adjuster for the insurance company would recommend patching it up or sanding it in a certain area, but, but you didn't live in a home prior to the loss with a patch in the dining room. Why should you now? Why should you not be put back to a pre-loss condition? So I make sure the people are put back to pre-loss conditions. And how do I do that as a public adjuster? Well, I'm licensed by the State Department of Banking and Insurance in New Jersey, and that State Department lets me act as an advocate for the insured so I can really fight the insurance company. And, And I don't threaten. I'm not a threatening guy, but I can compel the insurance company um, through negotiation and through and by way of my license from the state as an advocate for the insured to get more money for the insured I just have to make sure that the limits on the insureds policy are high enough for them to receive what I want to get them in other words if you had a loss and it's five thousand well let's say you had a real large loss it's two hundred and forty thousand dollars but your whole home is only insured for two hundred and ten thousand you're gonna be short no matter what I do because you just have never purchased or have not purchased the coverage required to put you back to the condition that you were in before the loss so that's why I said prior to the break read your insurance policies, make sure your limits are enough, raise them periodically. And let me tell you, I had a case where a garage burnt down in uh, Sakasana, New Jersey and um, I went out there and found that the garage or the, the party that owned the property had never raised the limits on their detached garage. Typically, uh, attached, detached garages, I should say, it's detached, are insured for 10% of the value of the home. Well, they raised the value of the home and for some reason the agent that they had missed raising the garage. So, they were the limit on that. So, they were underinsured. So, you got to make sure you read your policies, make sure You review your limits, and and I mentioned that before. And like I said, the other thing is don't cancel any kind of insurance. Once you've paid off your mortgage, it'll put you in a libelous spot. Um, And just know that the public adjuster does work for the insured, and we are their advocate. And... uh, like I said, most insurance companies don't like public adjusters because we make them pay. So we go as a public adjuster, we write up a claim, we review it. Now it helps that to have uh, some construction background, which is why I do this. Number one, I want to make sure people get reimbursed fairly. And number two, I have to know what I'm talking about to cost it out item by item, stick by stick in a in a building. I have to know what a stud costs, I have to know what sheetrock costs, I have to know what plywood costs for a floor. So I really have to be able to effectively calculate what the loss is. Now there's all kinds of software to do this. And I might say sometimes when there are catastrophic events it, even in New Jersey, when we had Sandy, adjusters come in from insurance companies out of state because they're short on adjusters here. So they'll bring in someone from Texas or Tennessee or wherever. And that person sometimes isn't familiar with the market and labor rates here or material costs or property values, what have you. And and the claims get written up in such a way that the insured gets short shrifted. So I know that that sometimes can happen. So a public adjuster does go in and revalue. Now, what does a public adjuster cost, and how do they get paid? Well, public adjusters receive a fee; it's a commission. We get paid on a percentage of the loss that we get money to cover uh, for the insured that they are to use to be that they will use to put themselves back to an as was condition or pre-loss condition. And and the thing is here, the state allows us to structure the claim in such a way that we're able to include enough money in the overall overall claim the way we write it up so that we do not diminish the proceeds to the point where the person that is fi- that is filing the claim through us cannot uh, use all the money and be back to where they need to be. So it, it doesn't really come out of your pocket. Plus, if you were getting 60000 bucks on a claim where a tree fell on your house and you really need $140,000, if you have to pay something, even minimally out of pocket, to obtain another $70,000 um, and it's 10% or less of, of, of the value of the extra money that you get for the insured, what's the, what's the problem? Because had you not used the public adjuster, you would be short significant thousands of tens of thousands of dollars. So, you know, that that's how the compensation works for the public adjuster. And uh we do have a call here I see. We have John from Midland Park. Good Morning, John. Hello. Yes, you're on.
5: Yes, uh thank you very much for taking my call. Uh I do have a con- a question concerning my home insurance which I've had with this particular company for over 50 years. Okay. Uh they am I uh, policy obviously renewed every year, year, this time coming up in August and they tell me that they're reducing the the uh value of replacing my home because they're using a new program. Um I just read you this one quick line. We've recently started using a new tool and information provided by may I say the name of the company X Active X A C T W A R A X Acware solutions to estimate your home's rebuilding cost, and they reduced it um, by about a hundred thousand dollars from two hundred sixty-three thousand. Excuse me, from three hundred eighty-one thousand to two hundred sixty-three. They said they will not reduce uh, my coverage unless I approve that, and I'm just uh, find that interesting that uh, they're reducing the value of replacing my home in case of damage or dis- destruction.
1: Well, they're cutting their losses before they even are close to incurring one here. What I would say to you, John, is call your agent, speak with your agent, explain your concerns to your agent, and let them find you someone else to cover you and write a new policy. Homeowner's insurance isn't like car insurance, where if you put through claims, rates go up like crazy. If you have teenage drivers or something like that, the state really looks uh, poorly upon insurance companies that play games with the public so i would say this talk to your agent find another company but this is what i'm talking about you know people need to know that that the insurance companies are not their buddies yes they're out to protect them you do pay for this insurance and you are buying something that is of value but you need to be vigilant as a consumer i hope that helps. okay
5: all right Well, I thank you very much for your advice, and uh, I enjoy your show, and uh, please have a good day.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the listening. Keep on listening, and tell a friend to listen, too. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bye now. Bye-bye. And, uh, folks, so you saw a real-life case where somebody called up, and they haven't even incurred a loss yet. They haven't even called the insurance company to report anything, and already... Already, the insurance company is looking to pay less. They're setting up their clients, you know, to put them back to less than a pre-loss condition. I, I think you really got to be vigilant today and, and just look out for yourself. And, folks, we're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel, and we'll be right back.
0: You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off and to wear a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You do so much to keep. Keep your child safe. But are you using the right car seat for your child? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. Sponsored by the New York State Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. Sunday nights. Just got a whole lot more exciting. With the John and Leah Show. This and every Sunday night, 10 to 1. John and Leah highlight the best of what happened that week. Start your Monday in the know with all the news, pop culture, media, and sports, and anything else we can think of, and the kitchen sink. Tune in Sunday nights at 10 for The John and Leah Show on AM 970, The Answer.
1: Well, folks, we're back. This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel here on this very hot Saturday. Our number is 877 970 2999 My website is the so you can check that out. We're going to be putting stuff up there this coming week that's new and different, and that'll be good for you to take a look at. And you can email me at hands-on at nycradio.com. Uh, Again, hands-on at nycradio.com with any kinds of comments or questions you have relating to your home. Um, I'd love to hear about projects you're working on or problems you're having with doing projects. And if uh, it relates to food in your kitchen and the usage of your food or you want to be on our what's cooking food segment, um, write me with that as well. And I'd love to read about it. And um, you can download the AM970 app on your smartphone and listen to us at the beach or wherever. So we're totally portable and mobile. And really, there is no excuse for not listening to the show. Because if you go to the AM970.com, uh, the AM970 website at AM970.com, you can listen to podcasts. And you can uh, the show is streamed. Shh, shh am970theanswer.com. Sorry, folks, am970theanswer.com. You can listen to the show and uh, that way it's streamed and uh, you'll be in the know. Anyways, we're talking about public adjusting and we had a call from a fellow, uh, John, in Midland Park and he was explaining how his insurance company had already advised him that they're using new software to calculate values of the home and by virtue of that, his home is now worth less. So software has determined the value of his property, not the market. It's just, it blows me away. I don't get it. I don't see how people could not read their homeowner's policies. I know that they're dry. I know that they're boring. But I'm telling you all, read your policies. It's certainly a good thing to do. Um, So as a public adjuster, I will go in and get people what they need to be whole to be put back to a pre-loss condition. So the interesting thing is about public adjusting that the... Uh, the insured person can start their claim by reporting it to the insurance company, or they can report it to the public adjuster. Um, that's strictly up to the discretion of the insured. Whoever they call, whether it's the public adjuster or the insurance company and their adjuster, that person, I'm sure, will will initiate the claim and do what's right from at least do what's right as they start okay there is no guarantee in terms of what you'll get in compensation for your loss but hopefully they'll file the claim they'll review the claim and and get get it going but but here's the story folks as a public adjuster my goal is to really replace things for people not patch things up and and if you let's say you had a tree fall on your home and I had a case where a tree fell on a home and an insurance company paid someone $36,000 for the loss and they needed 90,000 I got them the difference because we went into their home we wrote up the loss so first we read their insurance policy. I always read the insurance policy policy so I know what the limits are of the coverage and I know what type of coverage the people have. Then I write up the claim so that it it meshes with the policy in such a way that the claim is covered okay i make sure that it's covered that the, that it is a covered law so i write it correctly and then we fight with the insurance company and like i said the state you know we are licensed by the state department of banking and insurance and we're generally successful in getting what we need because the insurance companies do not want uh bad press and uh, they don't want problems by short shrifting people but uh Public adjusters are popular in that sense. But here here's the kicker. I, I I had this problem where a client had a tree fell on their house. They were short shrifted on money, short paid. And they had already received the check from the insurance company. They had already um, reported the claim because they got the check. Um, and, and so as a public adjuster, here's a really cool thing. I can reopen a claim, typically within a year from the time the claim is originally opened and, and And it's just a great thing because I can remedy a bad situation. This party with the tree that fell on their house, the tree fell in the winter when there was a storm. It made a hole in the roof. They were away skiing. Water entered the roof over the weekend that they were away. It was raining. And it went from the attic to the second floor, to the first floor, to the basement. And it did substantial damage. And uh, they weren't compensated at all appropriately initially by the insurance company. And... um, We reopened the claim successfully and we got them the money and uh, they were very happy with us and they're happy to pay us. They're glad they met us. So the really neat thing here is that you can reopen a claim within the year of the loss uh, in the first year. So just make sure, folks, that you act timely, that you do move along to report losses. And if you're short paid, there is a way out. A public adjuster can help you. They should have some construction knowledge. I do, that's why I am one. I also, honestly, am an accountant by training. I have a BS in accounting. I understand the nature of cost in accounting. I've used it throughout my life in the businesses that I've owned, and accounting helps because that way I can make sure that, well, I understand the nature of costs and I can get people their money. But um, the other interesting point is a a public adjuster is the only other licensed professional out there other than a lawyer that can represent the insured in in a court of law. And this makes a difference because you can speak on behalf of the insured. And if you know construction and you know accounting, you know insurance and so forth, it's, it's something that you can do very well and um you know that's it so uh, i don't know what else to tell you about public adjusting we can reopen claims we make sure people get paid on on you know to be put back to a pre-loss condition i keep on harping in on that pre-loss condition uh i don't like repairs i like replacements read your limits make sure things work and you'll be okay um and then that's it for that and um If you have questions about your insurance, you know, I'm not an insurance agent, ask your agent, ask your agent to send you another policy. If you can't find yours, know where it is, know what you're covered for, for. and like I said, if you finish paying off your mortgage, make sure, please, make sure that you read your policy limits, you know what they are, and that they are current and correct. Um, And that's pretty much it. And uh, we're going to move along to another exciting subject, skylights and and leaky windows. Why? Because I have a skylight in my kitchen and um, the flashing was worn out. And we'll explain what flashing is in a minute. Water, when it would rain, water would hit the roof and it would go through little pinholes, I guess, surrounding the roof where the flashlight and the roof formed a joint and it would drip through that joint, but it didn't drip into the kitchen. The, the rain, I have a kind of ha- like a sloped ceiling, like a pitched ceiling. It's half a cathedral ceiling basically in my kitchen, and um, the skylight is on this, and what would happen is the water would get in, like I said, and it would run down the back of the ceiling to the outer wall of my kitchen and it would drip through my window. So what did I do when I saw this water dripping over the window? I went outside. I checked my gutter. I applied silicone here and there and roof cement and caulk and did all this stuff. And the de- the no, about two days later, it rained, and all of a sudden, the window was dripping. And I said, this is crazy. How can this be? So I, I got a ladder, went up on the roof, and I looked around the skylight, and I saw that the flashing was shot. So I got to tell you folks, if you have skylights on your roof in your home or on the roofs of your home, uh, they have to be maintained to some extent. Uh, identify the source of the leak if you can, as to where the water's coming in around your skylight, and uh, buy some roof cement. And apply it liberally. Note that all this roof cement um, really needs to be replaced every six to ten months. Um, So if you're just doing roof cement alone, it may not be enough. If, if the leak is persistent and it comes back and you've tried the roof cement, there are there is like a roofing cloth or fabric you layer on around the skylight, the, the roof cement, you apply this fabric to it by just laying it on it, pressing it down with a putty knife um, and pushing it really into the roof cement so that it does stick well. And then you coat it again with a good healthy coating of the roof cement, apply that over this fabric build it up so that it is at least an eighth of an inch over the top it'll get a little bit rubbery it doesn't dry hard really hard to the touch for a while but that will solve your problem and that's exactly what I did at home with my skylight I applied roof cement to the flashing around it the flashing is what protects the joint and uh, I resolve my problem And it doesn't leak anymore, and I just want you to know we're getting to the end of the show. You've been listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. Thanks for being here and having me in your ear, and I will be back again next next week, and uh, we'll speak to you then. Have a great week.